Last Sunday, I started a series on uh, the genesis of Christmas. And people need to understand that Christmas did not start in Matthew. But Christmas started in Genesis. So Genesis chapter 3 and verses 7 through 13. Genesis chapter 3, 7 through 13. And in your devotional time, we ought to be reading at least 15 minutes a day of the word of God. So in your devotional time reading, you can read all first three chapters of the book of Genesis. The first three chapters of Genesis separates us uh, as a Christian religion, and I use religion in a pejorative way from all other religions. So Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. If you have your Bible, always bring your Bible. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, look on with someone. Because a lot of folks try to say, I don't believe that. Well, it's in the book. Amen. Amen. I want you all to trust me, but you better get in the book for yourself. Amen. Uh, uh, amen. When you found it, say, I have it. And I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible, whatever translation you might have. Uh, let's read verses 7 through 13 together, Genesis chapter 3, okay? Let's read. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me, be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Amen. The grass withered, the flower faded away, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Uh, Genesis, the Genesis of Christmas, part two. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. The Genesis of Christmas, part two. Uh, last Sunday, we saw our parents, our first parents, Adam and Eve, flunked the test of obedience. They, they flunked the test because 
God told Adam not to eat and they ate. And so last Sunday we saw our first parallel. You see, there's only one race of people and that is the human race. There are many different ethnicities but there's only one race and we all come from Mama and Papa Adams. Amen. They flunked the obedient test. You see, if you want to be blessed of God, you must be obedient to God. Amen. Amen. If you don't, if you don't hear anything else from me today, if you want to be blessed of God, you must be obedient to the word of God. God. 1 Samuel 15, uh, 22, uh, 1 Samuel 15, 22b says, Samuel said to Saul, behold to obey is better than sacrifice. Then in John chapter 2, verse 5, uh, uh, Mary said, his mother said unto the servant, whatever he said unto you, do it. And then Peter said in Acts chapter 5 verse 29, we ought to obey God rather than man. We must have a military attitude because if you've ever been in the military, whatever your commanding officer say to you, what do you say? Yes, sir. No questions asked. Any ex-military folk in here, you didn't question, yes, sir. Go dig a ditch. So, yes, sir. We must have that same attitude when it comes to God. See, many of you are floundering around on the peripheral of, of great blessings, but you'll never get there because you're hard-headed. Well, bless his name. Amen. Amen. Uh, our number one priority in life is to be obedient to God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18c that in all things he might have the preeminence and if you want to be blessed uh, then you be obeyed. That's why a whole lot of folk going to be broke. Amen. Dressed up and broke. Don't have two dimes to rub together because you don't want to obey God and bring all the tithes to the storehouse. Somehow we have gotten smarter than God and you will be broke. If you want to be blessed in every area of your life, you obey God. So this morning, my thematic, the thematic theme of this sermon of the day is, where is Adam? Adam, where are you? Amen. That's, where are you? That's the theme of this sermon. Adam, where are you? This is the first question God asked man. Adam, where are you? And if you are going to be saved, I ask three questions right now. First of all, the first question is, are you saved? The second question is, who saved you? And the third question is, how did he save you? Amen. See, questions are a critical part of life. One of Chinese proverbs says, he who asks a question is a fool for five minutes. But he who never asked a question is always a fool. And, and, and even the quietest, 
people you run across, if you know how to ask them questions, you can become part of a conversation with them. Question like, you, you, some people don't say nothing. You'd be surprised. All you got to do is ask them a question, get them talking like, are you a Cowboys fan? See, they, somebody say, hell no, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, they, at least you got, got them talking. Amen. Did you vote for Trump? See, <laughs> see. Johnny Cochran asked the question, if the glove don't fit, you got to quit. And then asking questions can get you in trouble. Right now, Mueller is asking the president's team about the transition team, about their corresponding with Russia, because uh, asking too many questions can get you in trouble. That's why Socrates had to drink the hemlock, because he asked too many questions. And the great experiment, God is still looking, the great experiment in radical feminism has failed. And women and children all over this world are asking the question this morning, Adam, where are you? Amen. Amen. There, there are some women here. They they looking for Adam. They some come to church looking looking for Adam. They, little children, where is Adam? Where is Daddy? I ain't seen him. Amen. Where where are you? Harmon Killebrew said that my father used to play with me and my brother in the front yard. And my mother would say uh, to him, you are tearing up the grass. And his daddy would say, we are not raising grass, we are raising boys. <laughs> Sigma Floyd said, I can't think of any need in childhood as strong as the need for a father's protection. Adam, where are you? Amen. Amen. Anybody looking for Adam? Then some of y'all have Adam. Y'all looking for him to come to church. Say, Lord, I want you to touch Adam because he's such an idiot. I mean, he, he needs help. He, he needs Adam, where are you? Amen. Just two points I want to lift up here this morning because we're looking for Adam. That's why I don't, I don't, I don't apologize for uh, trying to develop every man to be the prophet, priest, protector, and provider of his family. And because women and children are looking for Adam. First of all, the shame of sin. Verse number seven gives us the shame of sin. What is sin, pastor? Sin is knowing the word of God and then willfully doing wrong that's what sin is the bible said all unrighteousness is sin but sin is knowing the revealed word of god and yet doing your own thing the first results of sin is a sense of shame and fear that is they now have the knowledge of good and evil because they fail to obey the instruction of God. You see, instead of being uh, uh, happy, they are now shame. And that's what sin brings. Sin always brings a sense of shame and guilt. That's why, that's why if you say and you can sin without being uh, convicted and guilty about it, maybe you are not saved. If you can curse folk out and uh, like 
and don't let them bother you, maybe you are not saved. Because sin in the life of a believer brings shame and fear. When you read Psalm 51 and David is praying his prayer of confession, there is no high fives. He was not bragging about uh, doing his thing with Bathsheba. When you read it, David is, Ill. David is full of anguish because he know he have sinned against God. Now while you hear David praying in verse number 12, Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Sin brings shame. Sin. That's why, that's why now, now you can sin so long till God will just give you a reprobate mind. Second Timothy 3 and 8, uh, God, uh, as Janus and Jambri withstood Moses, so did these resist the truth. Men of corrupt mind reprobate concerning the faith. You can do it so long that you can sit through this kind of serve and don't even bother you. Just clean out your teeth, you know, clean your fingernails, texting somebody, seeing what's on, what's, the, you know, yeah. Because God will turn you over to a reprobate mind. If you can sin and it don't bother you, then maybe you are not saved. But when you are a Christian, when you sin, it bothers you. Ephesians 4.29 said, grieve not the spirit of God. And some of the worst folk to deal with is sinning saints. Well, bless the Lord. Amen. I thank you, Holy Ghost. Amen. Some of the hardest crowd to preach to is a bunch of drinking saints. Amen. Because you know there ain't but three kinds of people in the world. The saints, the ain'ts, and the taints. Amen. And the saints are those saved. The ain'ts are those not saved. The taints are the saints who are living like ain'ts. Amen. Amen. Well, bless the Lord. And that's, and that's the hardest crowd to deal with, sin and saints. Club on Saturday night trying to pop up at church on Sunday like a Pop-Tart. Amen. That's one of the hardest crowd to deal with. Cursing folk out. Amen. Well, bless the Lord. But, but when, remember when you first got saved, if somebody told a nasty joke around you, you rebuked that spirit. That devil's a lie. Amen. You didn't watch nobody kissing on TV. You turn, you turn your head. I ain't going you driving out of the highway, the temptation, come on, you turn it. Sometimes you pull the car and turn the whole car off. But now you don't got used to it. You, you sit through coming to jam, ain't no big deal, amen, because, you know. But sin brings on shame. This is why when they sin, they try to hide. Of all the leaves, they use a fig leaf. And all of mankind made religions is just trying to cover up from God. But you can't hide from God. David said, wherever I go, you there. If I took the wings of the morning and flew to the uttermost part of thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. You can put on some shades and a trench coat, leave your car at Walmart, get an Uber ride down south to the hotel. When you go in with the other woman, guess who's already there? <laughs> I wish I had a witness here. You can't, you can't hide from God. I don't care how dark tonight is. God sees in the darkness. 
I remember you used to be in the world, you used to be in the world, you go to the nightclub, in the corner, in the dark, in the boot, and they had shades on. <laughs> can't hide from God, amen. I know you try to change your voice, change your car, but you can't hide from God. God sees in the darkness. Whether you're in Austin or New York or L.A., when you get there, God is already there. Yes, sir. That's some of the hardest crowd to deal with. Sin and saints. That's right. Sinners don't want to come to church. They don't want to be bothered with God. Amen. That's why they try to find every excuse. Our church too long. Then they'll go sit and watch just a league. No problem. Go sit out and watch a football game in the cold, in the rain, overtime. No problem but just a couple of hours in the Lord's house because sinners don't want to be reminded of their leaf wart robe. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want to be reminded of their, that they're wearing leaves. Amen. And the fig leaf is the roughest leaf. It's rough. Religious folk can't happen because they got leaves on. Amen. And the shame of sin. That's why I don't have time this morning to deal with it, but you read Romans chapter 7. Paul talking about who shall deliver me power of their sin. When they sinned, they tried to hide from God. Tell folk, you can't hide from God. God is everywhere. Matter of fact, the immutability of God, he can't go nowhere because he's everywhere. And then, and then secondly, notice the sermon of the Savior. Verses 8 through 13. God wasn't angry with Adam and Eve. God isn't upset with us over our sins. He comes to save us from the wrath of sin. You see, you see, in this text, we see the anthropomorphicness of God. They said they heard God walking in the cool of the day. Amen. That means fellowship with God. And they hid themselves. See, if you're not right with God, you don't want to be bothered with God. If you are not right with God, you don't want to be bothered with Christians. You don't want to be bothered with church. That's why your f people stop inviting you to the family reunion. Because you show up all full of the Holy Ghost. And they want to dance. They want to drink a little beer. You know, beer drinking Baptist. They want to drink a little whiskey. And, you know, they want to be bothered. They want to curse a little bit. They want, you know, they don't want to be bothered with you. Because, because when man is out of fellowship with God, he's out of fellowship with the things of God. That's why folk don't come to church. That's why, that's why in the black church we don't do eulogy. We preach. Because when it comes to a funeral, we know some of that crowd ain't coming back no more until another funeral. Amen. Because the unsaved don't want to be bothered with God. Talking about silent night and Lord, I need you and all that kind of stuff. That's that produces the spirit of conviction. And I know I messed up, so I don't want to be reminded that I messed up. And I'd be glad when you shut up and sit down so I can get the hell out of here because I'm under conviction. Well, bless the Lord. Amen. They hear themselves. They hear. And that's a favorite expression in the Old Testament. God fellowshipping with mankind. But the only way we can have continuous fellowship with God is by living a life of holiness and obedience to God. 
And if you have sinned, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. You mess up, we all, to be saved doesn't mean you're perfect. So don't let people put you on that pinnacle like you're perfect. No, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm saved. I've been forgiven, but I'm not perfect. I mean, I, I'm saved. I, I, I still have the proclivity and the propensity to sin. That's why I don't go to no girly clubs no more. I go to IHOP. Amen. Well, all right, I'm not finished. Amen. Because I don't go to no girly club. Somebody up there dancing in front of me with no clothes on, showing her breasts. I won't be thinking about amazing grace. So. I'll be want to make it rain, make it rain. So, and when you're broke, all you got is the dollars. <laughs> you just make it drip one time, but amen. That's why you ain't got, you're broke just for a dollar. Amen. So, 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 uh, and so, so, uh, so you understand? To be saved doesn't mean you're perfect. Mean you've been forgiven, because all of us have a tiger in our tank. And whatever you feed is going to grow. That's why I don't go to clan meetings. I don't go to clan meetings because somebody come out and call me the N-word. I, I won't be singing Amazing Grace. So to be saved means that we've been forgiven. So you stay away. Paul said in Hebrews 12 and uh, uh, 1, uh, laying aside every sin and every weight that do so easily beset us. Saved, but I can still sin. And so they tried to hide from God. See, Adam knew the rules. God had told him in Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Adam knew the consequences. Genesis 2, 17. He said, when you eat, you're going to die. And then Adam made a conscious choice. I asked y'all last week, and uh, you don't have the answer right now, but what did Eve have? To get Adam to disobey God. What, what did Eve have to cause Adam to eat the fruit? Uh, my sanctified him. I wonder uh, uh, what did Eve have? Did, did she have lifetime spectrum? Did she, did she have the keys to a Lamborghini? But what did Eve have to get Adam to disobey God? Adam knew the rules. Amen knew the rule and then God we came to hear it and when you look at verse number 11 God began to, uh, to inquire Adam and said uh, who told you that you were naked who, who said that have you eaten of the tree see you better check the source of your information if it's not in the word of God it is not from God so stop lying on God amen if it's not in the book, it is not from God. I don't care what the apostles say. I don't care what the prophets say. If it's not in this book, it is not from God. Who said that women can pass the church? Who said that? Who said that adultery is okay? Who said that? Who said that shacking up is all right with God? Who said that homosexuality is all right with God? Who said that we don't have to tie? Who said that there is no heaven or hell? 
who said we don't have to go to church as often as we can you better check the source of your information because if it's not from the bible it is not from god don't care who said not in the book you check it god was giving adam a chance to confess god god gave him a chance to confess and instead of confessing look what adam did adam did what a whole lot of men do he started playing the blame game tried to blame god and eve the woman that you gave to be with me pastor Mays from mount sinai here in the city says adam was saying listen i went to sleep and when i woke up she was there you gave her to me amen people keep trying to blame everybody but themselves we call it generational curses trying to put it on pawpaw no you doing what you're doing because you want to do it Stop blaming your mama. Stop blaming your daddy. Stop blaming your grandparents. You grown. You doing what you're doing because you want to do it. Stop playing the blame game. Try to lay it on God and Adam. And then Eve, Eve laid it on the serpent. She blamed the serpent. But finally Eve did say, I did eat. Adam said it, but he said it late. Stop blaming your wife trying to blame her for your jacked up marriage you know you the one married her amen you the one said first before the preacher and God that you gonna love her and cherish her in sickness and in health for better for worse and just cause she started acting a little funny you wanna leave her hallelujah stop trying to blame white folk or black folk or hispanic folk stop trying to blame trump for your jacked up life you are making a choice god give you a chance to confess that you are lost jesus said in luke 19 10 the son of man to come to seek and to save that which was lost stop playing the blame game if you're messed up, you're just messed up. But God give you a chance, as Big Mama said, Reverend Bolton, to fess up. Amen. Stop trying to say, these men all leave me alone. You ought to stop laying down with them and taking off your clothes. You know? Well, bless his name. And God give you a chance to get it right with God. That's what I love about God. He's not mad at you because of your sin. He want to give you a chance to get it right. The story is told about a man who came home from work, tired, and run down. His son, six-year-old son, come to him and say, Daddy, I want to play football. Daddy tired. So daddy said to his son, go do your homework. Then we'll play. The boy went about five minutes. He came back tugging on the shoulder of his daddy said I'm finished daddy looked at him and said go clean up your room and take out the trash boy goes stay about 10 minutes come back daddy I'm finished finally daddy looked down by the side of his recliner and saw a magazine with a picture of the world on it daddy said I got a way to get rid of him for a while so the daddy 
took the picture, tore it up into many little pieces, gave it to the boy, said, go put this picture back together. When you come back, we'll then go play football. Daddy laid back in his recliner saying, that boy going to be gone for at least several hours. And I got a chance to take me a good nap. But let me tell you, let's hold you too long. Within five minutes, the boy was back. Daddy hadn't had a chance even uh, to close his eyes yet. The boy back pulling on his daddy coat. Saying, I got the picture together. And the daddy was astonished, looked at the picture. It was together. And the daddy said, boy, how did you get this picture together so fast? And the little boy said to his daddy, said, uh, when you tore the picture up, I looked on the other side of the picture. And it was a face of a man and so what I did I put the man together and when the man came together the world came together oh Lord yes God is still calling Adam where are you is about the love of God for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and he alright I want every man to stand on your feet every man protector of your family God is calling us to tell a dying world I was on my way to hell but Jesus died for me and he alright will you go will you answer the call here am I I'll go Adam where are you? God is calling. Adam, where are you? Your wife is praying. Children praying. They praying for Adam. Be the man. God call you to. Stop trying to blame your wife. Stop trying to blame your girlfriend. Stop trying to blame your children. God is calling for us. Adam! Right, brother. You right? Where are you? Where are you? 
Why you had him? Yeah. It's calling. Reverend gonna sing shortly. The doors of the church are open. Just remain standing if you can. I want our curly discipleship people to come. Just want to pray for men. Yeah, man. World is hurting. Oh, yeah. Adam, where are you? Our churches are crying out. Where are you, Adam? That's why some churches are taught using women because there ain't no men around. You're right, brother. You're right. You're right. You're right. Where are you? Where are you, Adam? Where are you? Where are you? Don't ever be ashamed. Say, I need prayer. Never be ashamed to say, I need God to touch my life. It's going to change. It's not going to change through legislation. It's going to change when every man say what Joshua said. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you're here today, need to be saved. Need a church home, whatever you need. I just want to encourage all of you men, all of you men standing behind me. Listen, I yeah, love every yeah, man because yeah, I'm yeah. a man. Yeah, man. And I didn't know my daddy, but when I got saved, I got a heavenly father. All right. And he taught me how to be a man, how to yeah, yeah. love my wife as Christ loved the church. You here today, God is waiting on you. Look around, men, and start praying for each other. I know, I know the feminists in Austin are mad because they want to run it. But listen, my wife runs my house and everything but spiritually. When it comes to this thing, I don't ask nobody. I read the book. And if your wife don't come to church, you ought to come and take the word to her. Amen. If you know how to be a man, we the men ministry meet every Tuesday night so we can train men. Because they're calling for us. Adam! You don't believe me. There's a woman here right now calling for Adam. Oh, Adam. Children are calling for Adam. Adam! Will you come? Thank the Lord. Reverend going to sing now. The Lord lay him. What a mighty God we serve. We can all stand now. If you standing by your Adam, stand, catch your Adam by the hand and pray for your Adam. God, God, yeah. Yeah, man. Smile on me. Yeah, man. He has said, <laughs> Come on, anybody. Be else? free. Don't I'm be glad ashamed, you're free man. today. Don't be ashamed. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Smile.